Before we get to today's episode of the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have a quick message from our sponsor, Stitch Labs. Stitch Labs is an operation management platform for modern brands. If you're a growing brand looking to streamline your operations, Stitch Labs is here to help. Brands like Brooklinen and Thinks are using Stitch to do some amazing things, like open pop-up stores or set up international warehouses in incredible timelines. To learn more, head to stitchlabs.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-L-A-B-S.com. Helping brands execute on big ideas quickly. Hello, and welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, our weekly show where we discuss the future of the beauty and wellness industries with the people who know them best. I'm your host, Priya Rao, beauty editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Stacey Bortek, the Vice President and Divisional Merchandising Manager of Beauty and Fragrance at Bloomingdale's. In this episode, Stacey discusses the massive renovation of Bloomingdale's 59th Street flagship, why curated shop and shops are on the rise, and how creative event programming is drawing customers back into the store. Hope you enjoy the episode. Today on the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we have Stacey Bortek the Vice President and Divisional Merchandise Manager of Beauty and Fragrance at Bloomingdale's. Welcome, Stacy. Thanks, Priya. So, Stacy, tell us a little bit about how you found your way into the beauty industry. Um, well, actually, before I was in beauty, I really started out mostly in accessories. I've always really been in retail, but I was a handbag buyer for many years, and I did a lot of product development, traveling overseas to... Um, Hong Kong and Korea and making handbags and was a really, you know, fun part of my um, early career. Um, And then there was a senior executive who said to me one day, I really think that you would love beauty and be interested in it. And I was moved into a buying position in beauty. And at first I I wasn't so sure that it was going to be you know, the thing for me. But actually, um, I was attracted to it really from the start. Um, I loved everything about um, the product and really all about getting into customer insights and data. And um, I think it was it's a really unique space because it's an area where you really use marketing and eventing to drive the business over, you know, pricing and promotions. Stacey, did you consider yourself a beauty junkie yourself? Were you someone obsessed with makeup or fragrance as a girl growing up? I actually have always been obsessed with skincare. I really started getting facials early on when I was um, younger. My mom w- took careful uh, care of her skin and um, sort of showed me the ropes early on. So when you finally did land in your position, in, in your beauty executive position, how did that kind of parlay itself over the course of the years and obviously at Bloomingdale's where you've been for 11 years. Yeah, so, you know, my role has sort of evolved over time. I actually took a bit of a pause after being um, a beauty buyer uh, for about six years. I then went into the, you know, financial planning side of things. And then after about a year of doing that, I jumped and ran our dot-com website. And that was at a time where Bloomingdale's had our buying offices split between our dot-com and our stores channel, which more recently came back together as one omni-channel 
division. But at that time, I was really focused on driving um, our dot-com business. And I launched Beauty Online at Bloomingdale's, which was really a fun initiative. And I also had other categories uh, within Bloomingdale's, such as shoes and accessories and handbags as well at the time. So it was really interesting to take a purview from the online space um, and think about you know driving the beauty business in that way. And then when we came back together as one omni-channel organization, it really gave me the perspective of both the online side and, you know, driving store side. Stacey, from your perspective, what do you think the Bloomingdale's customer is looking for and what do you think is happening in beauty overall? So I think the Bloomingdale's uh, customer is definitely looking for affordable luxury. Um, she's definitely showed us that she's interested in luxurious products and that she is uh, impacted by brands um, as well as what they stand for. So whether that is um, really luxury and high end and attached to perhaps a you know designer label or whether or not the brand stands for more sustainability um, and wellness, you know, she really thinks about the trust that she has both in, you know, the brand itself and also the Bloomingdale's brand. So she's always looking for amazing product that she really trusts where it's coming from. You guys just recently revamped the 59th Street store experience here in New York. Tell us a little bit about what the impetus for that was. Sure. So the new cosmetic floor was really the next phase, an entire renovation of our Bloomingdale's flagship. So um, it's followed a renovation of our home store. And then it's also um, a destination for our new shoe emporium, which if you haven't checked out, you really should. Um, and our new ready to wear floor is just recently launched. So, our you know, we like to coin our, our beauty and fragrance uh, area as sort of a playground. And, you know, it's on our main floor right when you walk in the store. And we feel like beauty is the first stop on our customer's journey throughout the store. And so we feel it's the space for energy and excitement um, that really radiates throughout the entire store. So the impetus for the change was part of that complete renovation, but also the fact that the beauty customer's style and shopping has really evolved over the years and we needed to evolve as well. In that regard, were there any kind of learnings or that you had from those other floors that you parlayed into beauty or was it completely like a new new venture for y'all? So that's interesting. I, I, I'd like to think that beauty is really where a lot of the events and animation happen. And some of the other floors actually took some inspiration from us. So, you know, that's such a great uh, form of flattery. But at the same time, we also took part in some of those floors renovations as well. So as an example, when the, sh the new shoe floor launched, we set up a cosmetic rotating, you know, pod space within the shoe floor and sort of rotated and animated, which I think was really a helpful learning for us as we then opened our floor to do that um, even more, you know, within our floor. Um, I also think we have a really unique shopping environment in home. And if you have a chance to check that out, um, we've definitely created some amazing shop and shops and really celebrated the brands within the home world. And we'd like to think at Bloomingdale's that we both have our own brand DNA, but we also celebrate the brand's DNA as, a, the, the, as well. And you can really see that reflected in the shoe floor, the home floor, and the ready-to-wear floors as well. Within cosmetics on that first floor, you know, it's kind of like a wild playground, like you said. You see lots of different brands having their own personalities. You have a self-serve environment. There's virtual try-ons. 
it's kind of running the gamut in terms of tech and innovation. What were some of the things the customer really drove when you were thinking about what that relaunch looked like? Okay, so that's a really good question. You know, we we like to listen to our customer a lot at Bloomingdale's and really think about what she's saying and tell us a little bit and guide us a little bit about what we needed to do. So um, part of it was really an evolution from what I call a more behind-the-counter experience to a really um, open-cell environment with lots of PlayStations that really encourage shoppers to touch and feel and try out the product. So what we heard from our customers is they love the luxurious environments and they also love having highly trained, skilled beauty advisors that they can ask questions um, to and that they get great answers. So we wanted to create this environment that both you know, felt luxurious and that you were able to get service and help when you wanted that service and help. But if you wanted to shop on your own and play, you really could. And I don't think we had that as much before as we do now. In terms of kind of the brands that you brought to the assortment, there were a lot of new brands that um, came into play. Can you talk a little bit about why those fit into the assortment? Sure. So um, we did add about uh, 75 new brands. So we have over 200 brands in our flagship store. And several of the new brands um, came in through both a revamp of our luxury fragrance hall. So we have about 14 new names in our fragrance hall, such as Creed, Les Labos, Killian, uh, Maison Francis Kirkjohn, and um, Memo fragrances, as an example, um, as well as some of our curated concepts, is what we call them, such as our Glow House uh, and Welcomist. When you think about um, some of those shop and shops, like within Welcomist and Glow House, and then obviously in the fragrance hall, um, that seems to be much more of a curated environment versus necessarily a brand-driven environment. Why were those important to have within the larger Bloomingdale's beauty assortment? Great question. I mean, we we speak of those areas as our curated concepts, specifically Glow House and Welcomist. And our first curated concept was actually Space NK, um, which we launched exclusively at Bloomingdale's in the U.S. and is also a multi-branded environment where customers can shop across a you know multitude of brands and get a really unbiased perspective from a sales associate. And that has been a very important um, shop for Bloomingdale's, the Space NK brand, and we have been growing that business over several years. So when we really think about the horizon of beauty and what's happening out there, um, we identified that new curated concepts were probably on the horizon. And so we created these two new um, concepts. The first one is Glow House, um, and that's really focused around targeting towards our millennial-minded customer. We like to use the word millennial-minded because at Bloomingdale's, we have a lot of millennial customers, but we also have a lot of customers who uh, really want to shop, who may not be millennials, and they really want to shop the latest and greatest. Um, And that shop is really packed with um, trending brands on social media. It's housed in this very playful, open-cell environment that is anchored by a a huge table where our customers can um, try on products and play with them. You can also sample every product in the shop. And those products are all under $100. So it's really targeted towards this customer. And We created the concept based on hearing from our customer. Um, Several of our Bloomingdale's customers who may shop in our ready-to-wear floors and buy their date night tops, you know, may not be venturing down to 
our cosmetic floor. So we went on a search of why that was and really trying to understand what brands we needed in the mix, but also what kind of environment we needed. And so Glow House was born. Um, our other concept is Welcome S, which is a space where our shoppers can discover and experience an edited assortment of safe, science-backed, clean beauty brands. And we definitely see this as an ongoing opportunity um, within the beauty space. And one of the things I love about Welcomist is it's really not just targeted to a younger consumer, although I think younger consumers are really focused on clean beauty and they're hearing about it more on from influencers that they follow and certain blogs and social media. Um, at the same time, it also appeals to Gen X consumers who might be um, starting families. And as you get pregnant, you start to think about different products and ingredients you might put on your skin. And then we also have a lot of baby boomers who may be having health concerns. And so they're also challenged by what they, products they may use. So we feel that that concept really is cross-generational. And so um, it has a lot of legs. Um, and I think just circling it back to Space NK and this curated concept, I think we believe that um, there's an opportunity in our space for both standalone brands and then this opportunity for smaller you know, niche beauty brands, you read about how upcoming smaller brands, they may only have a selection of, you know, five SKUs. So we needed to also find a way where some of them could be part of our environment at Bloomingdale's. We'll be right back. If you're a growing brand, you've probably heard that an ERP is the next step in your operations. But in this fast changing world of e-commerce, you can't afford to lose the agility, speed and innovation that got you to where you are today. That's why today's fastest growing brands are choosing Stitch Labs as their operations management platform to streamline complex operations without losing flexibility and speed. Whether you're looking to open a pop-up, run effective pre-order campaigns, or expand internationally, Stitch Labs is here to help you execute on every crazy big idea quickly and at scale. To learn more, head to stitchlabs.com. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-L-A-B-S.com helping brands turn their operations into their biggest advantage. Hey, Glossy listeners. My name is Danny Parisi, and I am so excited to announce our special mini-series, Glossy Trend Watch. As a fashion reporter here at Glossy, I spend a lot of time writing about the trends that are leading and shaping the industry. Starting this Friday, March 15th, I will dig into one of the biggest movements in recent fashion history, the rise of streetwear. For our first episode, I sit down with industry veteran and founder of Greats, Ryan Babenzine, to find out how streetwear has evolved over the years and why he would argue that streetwear is dead. You can catch the first episode of Glossy Trend Watch in the Glossy podcast feed this Friday. To stay up to date with the latest podcast from Glossy, be sure to subscribe and leave us any feedback you have. Now, back to the episode. So with Glow House, it's on both floors in Bloomingdale's, on the first and on the second floor. Why did you feel like that presence was necessary on two floors in in the flagship? So when we put Glow House together, we really were targeting acquiring new customers. And what we found was there were a lot of customers who were shopping at Bloomingdale's who may not be um, coming to shop with us on the first floor. So we thought, you know what, why not 
come to her, you know, while she's shopping for her, you know, denim or, you know, ready wear tops. You know, we thought we would surprise and delight her by, you know, finding this great and amazing shop full of, you know, glitter and excitement on the second floor. And the great news is that really has helped us gain a new customer and specifically a millennial consumer. Um, That being said, I think we think the volume opportunity there is quite large with some of these brands. And our main floor beauty is where the bulk of our beauty and our beauty advisors are. So we wanted to make sure that we gave an opportunity for the brands to be showcased both on the main floor and on our second floor. Stacey, talk to us a little bit about fragrance. You know, people talk about all the time about how difficult it is to sell fragrance online, how you need to have that experiential piece, whether it's in a standalone beauty store or in a department store. You guys went really big on fragrance. Tell us a little bit about that. So we're really excited about the revamp of our fragrance floor. I would say it's one of the largest assortment changes within the floor. And we also dedicated more space to our fragrance floor, which grew about 25%. Part of what we heard from our customer was there was not as much price resistance in this category, and they were really looking for um, higher-end, more luxurious ingredients within their fragrances. And so we had an opportunity to really upgrade and tell more of the brand stories. So whether it's um, the opportunity to customize and blend your own fragrance at the Le Labo counter or the fact that when you buy an Atelier Cologne fragrance, you can have um, a leather case embossed with your initials or your, you know, favorite uh, mantra for for the week. Um, You know, this idea of kind of customization and brand storytelling was really important within uh, the fragrance world. I do think it's very hard to buy a fragrance online. I personally wouldn't buy one without smelling it. (laughs) Um, People do, actually, but um, I think it's more a matter of sampling. And as we're talking now about price points that are above $200, you know, people like to sample and try products and specifically fragrances is so different when you try it on your skin that sometimes you need some time before deciding. And so the purchase may end up being online in the end, but I think the journey really starts in store. That's a good segue, Stacey. One of the things that you guys implemented um, along the lines of this revamp was your beauty stylist program, which allowed people, allowed customers to book appointments online with any, across all brands within Bloomingdale's. What was that about? So we're really intrigued by this opportunity. I think one of the things, again, that we heard from our customer about our flagship is it can be hard to shop from one brand or the other. And we know customers are definitely using products from a multitude of different brands. They may have their favorites, but they like to try new things and they certainly like to mix and match. So we felt there was an opportunity to have this experience of a stylist. And actually, Bloomingdale's just revamped their stylist program in other areas of the store where you can really get a head-to-toe consultation from one of our stylists on the second floor um, in ready-to-wear shoes, handbags, etc. So we thought this would be a great opportunity to launch this idea in 59th Street flagship in beauty specifically. So we have a space on the floor um, that's actually just being finished right now and three stylists who you can really get a all-encompassing makeover from or skincare consultation um, that's really specific to you. 
How do you think that plays back to what you guys are also doing online? You know, like allowing that customer to access this online and for it to be a true omni-channel experience. Yeah, I think we're we think there are even greater legs to this. Like that's definitely part of how we can utilize our stylists even more online. Right now, we're excited to be able to offer appointment booking, and you can directly book an appointment with any of them. And that's definitely been working for us. So we're excited about that. I think this idea of personalization and customization is really one that our customers are responding to right now. And this is just another aspect of that. Was there any kind of learnings or tiebacks to kind of these curated concepts that Glowhouse already had or uh, Space NK or Welcomist that they were having that unbiased opinion across brands? Is there anything that could be connected to the Beauty Stylist program or there was? I think we have a version of that within those curated concept and a smaller um subset of brands. It's interesting to see that our stylists actually are interested in some of the multitude of brands that are in those curated concepts. So they are even leveraging the brands within curated concepts and standalone brands to sort of create the perfect mix. But I think what's important about the stylist is that you really find the right person, um, someone who is highly skilled and trained in a multitude of brands and also able to assess, you know, um, skin and, and different concerns in order to put that whole look together for someone. Um, I also think it's great if you're going out for a special event and, you know, you really, you want a specific look and it's probably not going to come from one brand. It's really a great way to get a makeover um, for that special, you know, event or evening. Stacey, I imagine the Bloomingdale's customer, because it is a flagship, has a multitude of different customers, young, old, international, New York-based. How do you think that you're able to serve all of these different types of customer when your demographic is so different and varied? That's a good question. I think that's part of not only the brand assortment that we strive to be able to serve a multitude of different demographics. We certainly have international consumers that are in our flagship. Um, One of the things I would say is that we added a higher level of service. So, for example, we um, put six private spa rooms within our Um, flagship in some of our high-end skincare brands. And we definitely see that some of our customers really enjoy having that kind of service um, and taking sort of a pause within their shopping environment. And so whether or not you really want to spend a lot of time or you're in a rush and you're there with your stroller or whether or not you're there with your girlfriends and your intent is to really have a fun, you know, day or night together, I think we really try to appeal to a broad range of consumers. Within um, the services piece of the business, um, another really big part of the Bloomingdale strategy has been experiential events and having these kind of master classes, having it becoming a place where people can just kind of hang out, whether they're buying or not. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think that's one of the unique things about the Bloomingdale's DNA is that our energy and excitement kind of makes it a fun place to come, and our events are a big part of that. So whether it's these amazing masterclasses that we have that might be private, off the floor, um, booked events, we we just had Charlotte Tilbury there last week, and we had a fabulous event with her um, as an example where we did a. Um, VIP event before her big show with some of our 
top customers and clients that shop with us, creating this like very unique experience for some of our best customers um, to really on the floor um, excitement with um, national makeup artists or, again, these spa experiences that many of our customers love. You know, we think this is really a part of our DNA and the idea that this experience is um, evolving every day. So last week we had a two weeks ago, I think we had a panel of, you know, fragrance noses who came to talk about the fragrances that they had created within our floor. And I think that kind of event appeals to a different subset of, of clients. So we're trying to think about what kind of experiences people are looking for and continue to evolve. I think technology plays a big piece in that as well, and certainly the um, selfie moments, if you will, which we spent a lot of time on, um, especially for our launch. We had a fabulous lip lounge um, and some amazing um, artwork on our floors <laughs> that uh, several people you know, photographed next to, which was great. Talk to us a little bit about that um, Instagram piece or that social media piece, because, you know, it's not just happening in real time. It's happening. It's not just happening in real time in Bloomingdale's. It's happening in real time everywhere. So how do you kind of be strategic about what you are sharing, what you aren't sharing, and that customers all over the world that may not be in New York are participating? I think this is part of the job evolution that's happened over the years. I mean, I think when I first came into this, we were predominantly focused on print. And <laughs> now all we talk about is digital and influencers and what's next. So this is definitely a big strategy for us at Bloomingdale's. And we are really careful about what kind of content we put out there, um, ensuring that it's the right thing for our brand and our customer. But um, also, I think having a lot more fun with that now than we ever have before. So we partnered with a bunch of influencers, even for the launch event, uh, who came to the store. And a couple of them hosted some events, actually, in the store as well. And that synergy between doing things online and in-store is a strategy you will see more from us in the future. What about um, the online piece specifically? How do you think that that is going to be changing or revamping in step with what you guys are doing on social and then obviously with the store itself? I think that the online piece is really important to be cohesive with the store. So when we did launch 59th Street, we created a specific microsite for the launch to really showcase a lot of the things that were going on there. Um, we also did um, some specific things for Glow House, as an example, um, taking that area of uh, our curated concept and how that really came to life online. So you'll see a lot of video, animated GIFs, a lot of um, insight into the brands, especially with these like young niche brands. People want to know more about who's behind the brand and content. And that's ever evolving, I would say. But we've seen a huge reaction to that online. So we've used some of our curated concepts as ways to test some of these things to see if they have legs beyond those areas. In that regard, do you think that like portions of this experience on 59th Street could be rolled out to the rest of Bloomingdale's fleet across the country? I think we're always looking at that. The idea of your flagship being your best representation across the country is the most important thing. But we take the learnings from that as we um, look at some other stores. So, so for example, we have our Glow House and Welcomist concepts in more stores than our flagship store. And we will be... Um, 
opening two new stores this year in Valley Fair in California and in Norwalk, Connecticut. And several of our ideas that we conceptualized in 59th Street, pieces of that will you will definitely see in the new stores. Stacey, how do you build Bloomingdale's loyalty, Bloomingdale's brand loyalty, when the beauty customer across the board is less brand loyal than ever? So we do a lot of things to really um, gain loyalty towards Bloomingdale's. First of all, we have an amazing loyalty program called Our Loyalist, and most of our customers uh, know about it and are very focused on you know building up their points and value, um, as well as our sampling programs that also um, entice customers to continue to come back you know to Bloomingdale's. Um, but more so, I would just say that we're really focused around the relationships that we build with our consumers that um, clienteling and um, opportunity to build a relationship with our customer is so important to us and such a focus that um, we really do look at how often people are returning and trying to give them the reasons of that so real, um, authentic, meaningful relationship. And I think that's something that we continue to strive to do even better at. From a trend perspective, what do you think is happening in beauty in 2019? What are some areas that you would like to delve deeper in or brands you'd like to delve deeper in? What are What's happening overall? Great question. So I think we're on a great start with the clean beauty space because I think that will just continue to be even more important. And I think what's happening with fragrances has an impact to us beyond um, even our Flip 59th Street flagship. So as you were saying, I just feel good about some of the things that we're already doing. Um, I think there are some opportunities within the hair care space, and we've also been having success with some of our Korean beauty brands, which I think is a area of opportunity as well. One of the great things that we did within our 59th Street flagship is to create some spaces for um, rotating concepts that change. And that's also given us the flexibility to test and try new things more often. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that from us in the future. Stacey, what are your thoughts on the whole beauty from the inside out proposition and how also how... Um clean is affecting hair care, as you said, that that's an emerging trend or an emerging category for Bloomingdale's. I think first and foremost, people want products that work. And I think clean is just an added benefit, to be honest with you, especially with our consumer. So the product really needs to work first. But with so much going on on social media and information at everyone's fingertips, I think consumers are much more knowledgeable today. And so if they can find a product that really um, works for them and also is clean, they're definitely moving more in that direction. I see those trends happening, quite honestly, Priya, also differently across our country. So we may have our California customer um, really highly engaged in that space and also in some of our downtown locations. And sometimes it's also a phasing as different consumers get more um, information and really start to try some of those products at different times. Lastly, I have to ask you, you know, from a merchandising assortment, you know, so much is happening trend wise on social media. Everybody's launching something every day. You have such a loyal and kind of a loyal customer base that trusts you and trusts Bloomingdale's. How do you distill the noise from the brands that are going to make it? 
That's a great question, Priya. <laughs> we sample and review so many products these days, especially since niche brands are really um, trending. And honestly, you can become a very significant brand pretty quickly now through social media. I think the opportunity for us is to really find some of those like needle in a haystack products. So we really comb through the different products that people send to us. And, you know, a lot of times it's also not enough just to have a great product. Um, Some of the amazing niche brands that are doing well today, they have incredible founders with amazing stories about how they really came to find these products. And oftentimes I'm asking people about what they have in the pipeline. So great, you're showing me this product today. Tell me about what you have coming down the pipe in the next you know, five years and needing to see that they really have a plan um, for where the brand is going and how it's evolving. And you know, the more you see these products, the more you just know. It's hard to explain. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stacey. It was great having you today. Thanks for having me, Priya. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. A special thanks to Gianna Cappadona, the producer of this podcast. As a thank you for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast, we're passing along a limited time introductory offer on a three-month subscription of Glossy Plus. Glossy Plus members have access to unlimited content, exclusive research, and more. Join today for just $49. That's 80% off by entering the code INTRO at checkout. For more information, head to glossy.co slash subscribe. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Beauty Podcast and leave us any feedback you have. We'll talk to you next week.